Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And happy Thursday to you. The Masters is underway in Augusta. We have college and pro football tonight. And, of course, previews of all of the big games in the NFL coming up this weekend. This is Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. Two hours every day, Monday through Friday, right here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Joe, it's great to see you here on this Thursday. And another week here of the NFL, trying to field a fantasy team as best as possible. In one of my leagues, I don't even have a quarterback for this week. Don't even have a quarterback Mm. yet. Going to probably have to find one before the weekend. It's been that kind of fantasy season for me. A uh, little rain also underway at the Masters. So, unfortunately, here on this show, uh, you know, a couple of scoring notes we can give you, but it's more or less going to be irrelevant. So, in-game live later today, Scott Farrell later today. Uh, more Masters updates, I think, on, on their show. And then tomorrow we'll tell you how the first round was. But uh, for me, watching the Masters today is very interesting, Joe. They started a little bit late because of rain and then – after I get done with the Masters today, of course, I think I will check out tonight's game between Indianapolis and Tennessee because th- these are yeah. two teams that I think that we'll see in January. So I'm interested in that. Absolutely. Big division game here for these two. Uh, Indianapolis defense uh, certainly playing better um, than maybe some people expected. T.Y. Hilton might be back for this game. I don't know if that changes anything, but uh, there's at least a new wrinkle in Tennessee. Uh, A good win, an important win, I think, last week against the Chicago Bears, kind of getting back on track here. I'm a big fan of Mike Vrabel, so I'll be rooting for the Tennessee Titans, and everybody knows my love for Derrick Henry, but I feel your pain. Because in the Superflex League right now, I have the third most points, but I'm only four and five. And in Superflex, Matt Ryan's on a bye this week. And my other quarterbacks were Darnold and Allen because why? Uh, not Josh Allen, the Kyle Allen. Let me be, let me be frank Allen, there. Right. And uh, yeah, it was yeah. not good. And because uh, obviously Dak Prescott's injury, I'm still trying to figure that whole situation out. So I, like you, do not have a quarterback this week. Worse in a super flex league. And on top of that, I am trying desperately to get our good friend Dane Martinez here at the network to just throw me a bone of some kind of quarterback this week to play. So we'll see if he can do me a solid for jumping on early with him. Some nice, you know, trying to cover Kevin Walsh. Maybe you trade me a quarterback. We all work it out. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm down to like nothing in the budget. So uh, it's a dollar quarterback or nothing and already whiffed on a couple. 
And Oof. so going to have to wait to the weekend and then hopefully suit somebody up for sure. All right, so let's take a look at our headlines for today here on this Thursday, November 12, 2020. Thanks for watching our show today. Masters are underway after a heavy rain delay. The favorite Bryson DeChambeau at least struggling in the first couple of holes here. We'll see if he can make the cut tomorrow. I'm not that worried about it, honestly. I think Brett, our producer, is more worried. Uh, okay, so uh, Bauer and Bieber, those are the Cy Young Award winners, and it pretty much went chalky last night. So good to see that the... Voters in the Baseball Writers Association gave the best two pitchers in the league the award. Didn't worry about who Trevor Bauer is and some of the things that he says. He deserved it, and he won. And, of course, Shane Bieber was the clear winner in the American League. We didn't even spend any time on that yesterday. By the way, we'll preview the MVP coming up next. Uh, in terms of uh, a big, bigger story, I think, today, because when Journey Brown uh, from Penn State, the running back, very good running back there, opted out of the season, we thought, oh, he's headed to the NFL draft, or he just doesn't want to play this year like a lot of players have done already in college football they've already put themselves in a position to go to the draft but unfortunately for journey brown he has a heart condition and so he is officially retiring from college and pro football so that was kind of sad to see but good for him i hopefully he'll uh, have a very very fruitful life long life not worrying about playing football which is always tough russell westbrook could be on the way out of the houston rockets this is a very big nba story james harden here in south florida everyone's talking about maybe going to the heat Looks like Houston wants to start things over a bit here. I don't know if that's the case, but we'll keep an eye on the tea leaves here over the next month. And finally, Tim Duncan stepping away from full-time coaching role. Duncan, one of the best ever in the game. Never really saw him, honestly, as, as a coach type, to be honest. But uh, he's not going to be doing anything in terms of coaching. So, of course, uh, the Masters is really... For me, Joe, the thing to watch this weekend, and, and hopefully they'll get it in in Augusta, I got to tell you, the weather in the southern part of the United States, including South Florida here. I was telling Brett, our producer, before the show starts, that our weather, you know, seven months out of the year, outside of, like, San Diego here in South Florida, is, like, the best in the country, admittedly. But not just here in Florida, but also in Georgia and Alabama, we have seen mm -hmm. some horrible weather across the board for the past mm -hmm. month. And so I'm hopeful that they're able to get this thing in, or else we'll be talking about a championship on Monday with the Masters. Yeah, that would be unfortunate for sure. But, uh, you know, we mentioned some of these basketball notes here. These are some some big time things here going on potentially with Russell Westbrook. I took to uh, one of our friends of the show who does basketball here on the show with us yesterday about that. And he also happens to be a Rockets fan. And he was actually very happy about this news. He did not like Westbrook there with Harden. Now, he doesn't want to lose Harden, which I can understand. But Westbrook moving really does continue to potentially spread the wealth a little bit more throughout the NBA. And we'll see what kind of success he can have on a different team in a different style offense. We don't know, but uh, this is a huge, another seismic shift potentially in the NBA where you're starting to break up these super teams over the last couple of years. You're having players leave the golden state warriors. You're leave the heat. Everyone's starting to like to leave different spots there. And what you're seeing is the talent start to spread out through, uh, throughout the league. And I think that's better for the NBA as a whole. And I think it showed this year uh, quite a bit in the teams that were in the playoffs and the teams that we were talking about. And look at the team you got in the finals, right? The Miami Heat. So that was really cool to see all that happen. Uh, also, Trevor Bauer, I think deserving. He was my pick yesterday. I, he was your pick as well, I believe, because uh, we were talking about end of the season. Trevor Bauer was the guy that was carrying the Reds. And I think they got it right. I really do. So good job yeah. putting all of the extracurricular things aside. Nice job, uh, Writers Association, getting it right here with uh, Trevor Bauer. And this is yet another feather in his cap to go cash in, right? I've got that Cy Young Award. How much you want to pay me now? I agree. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. I I don't think Bauer's going for that one year deal type thing like he talked about. He was <laughs> I'm definitely going to do one year, one year, just keep signing one year deals. And listen, I, I give him credit if he sticks to that. 
but there's just no need to do that. Like he's going to be the highest paid pitcher on the market. I don't know why he would diminish himself from that. So my guess is long-term deal for Trevor Bauer. We'll see where he ends up as the winter goes on. Coming up next, the MVP of the AL and NL is on deck. We'll preview it next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. And welcome back. We gave away the American League and National League Cy Young Award winners last night. And tonight we're going to find out who the American League and National League MVP Award winners are. And, Joe, it's an award every year that, you know, essentially you write your ticket a lot of times to the Hall of Fame. You win this award a couple times and you end up getting there. And through the years, I think that we've seen some really fair assessments in this in terms of the MVP. The one always interesting for me to look back on is when Ryan Braun won that MVP, right? Like, that's the one that I that I always go to. And someone says, like, give me your best recollection of an MVP award that was sort of, you know, different. And I think that that was the one because Matt Kemp really had a tremendous year that year. He did. And a lot of people thought that he should have been the MVP, everything else aside. And I remember Braun winning at that time. And then, of course, we know what happened after that with the positive tests and everything like that. But that's the one that comes to mind for me, at least in recent memory. Uh, past memories, of course, Dale Murphy winning MVPs, Juan mm-hmm. Gonzalez winning several MVPs as well. It's like we forget about who wins these awards. And and I suppose sometimes they go on to the Hall of Fame and, and sometimes they go on to not do much. Yeah, sometimes they fall into obscurity, too, and it's interesting to see those names like Juan Gonzalez. There's a flashback. I remember the Dale Murphy ones as a kid, the back-to-back for him, Um, and I think, yeah, Dale Murphy wasn't 82-83. I could be wrong with that, but I thought he was Yeah, no, that's right. right? That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at me. See? Still getting old, but I still remember. I'm taking that Prevagen thing or whatever. It's all the jellyfish stuff, apparently. Makes makes your memory good, or so they tell me. I don't know. It tastes good, so I just take it. But the, uh, I would, by the way, they should be a sponsor of the show, since I mentioned them. Let's let's get some more sponsorship. All right, we'll Um, work on that. Well, I would say that, you know, we also get into, um, I would say, trends with MVPs. You know, you get like the Mike Trout era. You get the Barry Bonds era, you know, and you just kind of keep looking up and it's the same guy every year, kind of the default. So you do have those runs of time where you see those dominant players and those are the legendary players. Those are the great players. But uh, I think what's so interesting about this is these are three names that I don't think anybody would have picked for odds on MVP coming into this season. 
And I think that's what makes this so cool in the American League to look at those three names and say, hey, look at that. Three guys that nobody would say are maybe even household names. Maybe DJ plays in New York, so most folks know him. But Jose and Jose, those are two guys that I think if you're a baseball fan, you absolutely do. But the casual sports fan, they recognize them, but they wouldn't necessarily say, oh, MVP, Jose blank. They wouldn't necessarily go that route. Yeah, let's take a look at it here. So you're right. There are two Jose's here. Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians. We have Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox and then DJ LeMahieu of the New York Yankees. And and, and look, it's a tough year to, to differentiate yourselves because their war is all very close. Their power was all relatively close. Mm-hmm. LeMahieu was the one getting the most hits, uh, you know, getting the highest batting average on base percentage. Then you have Jose Ramirez, Jose Abreu. Uh, Look, I mean, I don't know. I I don't really have a strong guess on this, uh, but my sense tells me it's going to be either Jose Ramirez or Jose Abreu. At least, Joe, that's the feeling that I get from it. And I think that it ends up being Jose Ramirez. He did lead the league Mm -hmm. in war, and if they're specifically going by that in the 60 games, he was the most dominant player in the American League. Um, You know, Jose Abreu, you can make the case, even though – He's got some superstars around him. Everyone in Chicago says he's the most important player on that team, and without him, they don't win. So there's a factor there, too. I I would say that LeMayhew had a great year, but he is third for me of the three. So I do think it would be one of the other two. What do you think? Well, I think that DJ LeMayhew is one of the great surprises for me. Um, When you do analysis and you see the player that was in Colorado and how bad his road splits were, I didn't give him much chance to be relevant, let alone MVP two years later. So in terms of surprises, where you look at the analytics, you look at and you study it and you go, okay, what's this player outside of cores? And and look, you know, sometimes guys are able to get outside of cores and have good careers, but good careers. And then what DJ has done the last two years, I think nobody could have expected that. So that's a fantastic job by him and a fantastic job by the Yankees acquiring him and putting him in a position to be good. That being said, I would not vote for him. Jose Abreu. I am the biggest Jose Abreu mark there is. Every year in the Black Book, I write a love letter to Jose Abreu. Dear Jose Abreu, I love the fact that you are good on the road. I love the fact you're good at home. You're good against lefties, righties in the first half, the second half. You look at the splits of Jose Abreu every single season. He is so consistently good and so undervalued every year. And now I think people are finally catching up with that thought. But He's in a really good lineup, so I'm not going to vote for him either. So clearly, I'm going to choose Jose Ramirez with you. And why? Because I think this guy carried the team, basically offensively by himself. Lindor had a good year, but not necessarily the expectation year I think some people might have had. And the rest of this offense was up and down, to say the least. They'd have good runs from certain guys. But for the most part, it was this dude right here. And from the second half of last year, He's arguably the best player in the league when you look at the stats and you look at the war and you look at everything he's done. So Jose Ramirez, for me, is that guy. He gets my vote. And I'll tell you what, Craig, how many times can we say that the MVP and the Cy Young came from the same team? Not very often in Major League Baseball. So that tells me what the Indians should do is if they do move Lindor, get back a bunch of Major League-ready talent or even some proven Major League talent and go out there and compete because you can, because that pitching is so good with Savali, with, with Plesak, with uh, obviously Bieber at the top. And then you got young guys like Tristan McKenzie coming on. You could do a lot here if you're the Indians. I hope Lindor is not a signal that they are potentially hunting on 2021 because this team, I think, can really compete with the rest of this division. Well, look, they gave Kluber away and, and still were competitive. They've traded Clevenger. They're still competitive. Maybe they yeah. move Lindor and they're still competitive, Joe. Maybe they get major league ready talent. Maybe. I mean, that's a possibility too. So uh, look, Indians have been very good over the last decade in terms of their organization. So I don't think that them trading Lindor is a signal 
that they're punting, I think it's more of a signal that they think they can't re-sign him. So I, I would wait to see what kind of trade they end up making if they do make one there. All right, now over to the National League. I think it's pretty clear cut, but we will discuss it. Uh, Freddie Freeman, I, I think that we all believe is going to be the NL MVP. Dale Murphy is going to make the announcement, by the way, on television tonight. So, mm. I mean, I don't think that they're having Dale Murphy announce Manny Machado. I suppose they could. <laughs> But I think they kind of like are pretty much setting you up for this one. But Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado, Mookie Betts. Machado, by the way, Machado was my pick to win the MVP at the beginning of the year. So I feel really good right. that I even got to this point. But uh, Freeman, Machado, and Betts, it's unanimous, Joe. It's uh, Freddie Freeman's going to win. Is there anything else to add? No, and, and all I can add is that I, it's a good story, and we are suckers for good stories here. We love him. And Freddie Freeman starting the year in question with COVID, really sick. People thinking that he might not even play. Oh, my gosh, is Freddie Freeman even going to play this year? What's going on? There's so much uncertainty. Not only does he play, but he carries the Braves into the playoffs. And a team that struck out almost 30% of the time, a team that lost Ozzie Albies for a significant period, Ronald Acuna for a significant period, uh, Marcelo Zuna turned things on late but really the steady force in that Atlanta Braves lineup was start to finish Freddie Freeman. Great defensive player, too. A great leader. Uh, and I think one of the great guys in baseball, too. I love some of the social media videos of, of him. And, you know, you see him flying back to see his kid's t-ball game. Like, this is the kind of dude Freddie Freeman is. He's that dude on Halloween that will dress up like Freddie Freeman. You know, <laughs> like that's the thing. Like, kids see him and stuff like that. Like, I love that. And I think it's good for Major League Baseball to embrace and, and elevate these kind of guys. And I think it's good for baseball. And well, look, nothing to take away from how great of a player Mookie Betts or Manny Machado are. They're both fantastic. They had very good years. But at the same time, I think this is Freddie Freeman's award. I think you and I agree here. So we'll see if we get this one right, too. I'm surprised we got yesterday's right here with the Cy Youngs. But, hey, we were on there. Let's see if we can go two for two with the big awards here in the Major League Baseball. Yeah, a lot harder if it was 162. Um, and, and I Agreed. think that that, of course, and I think that that's the case. I'll tell you the other thing that was interesting that I heard yesterday, and, and, and it may be a topic for our show. It's not really out there publicly yet, but there's a chance that they don't play 162 next year. So mm. at least that was something that I heard um, yesterday in, in one of the conversations that I had, because Joe, at this point, to say that you'd be allowed to have fans let's just call April and May fair at this point. Mm -hmm. Like the, I, I don't know that the owners are going to want to pay the players again for 162 with no fans. Right. So uh, it'll be interesting to see maybe that expanded playoff comes back. Maybe the season is, I know that you've been wishing for this. Maybe the season is 140 instead of 162. And that eliminates the uh, paying them for 20 extra games. Just something to keep in mind. If you hear it moving forward, you'll remember that, that this was the first time. Remember, you heard yeah, it heard it here it. first on FSD. <laughs> yeah, 100, 140. Look, look for that possibility. Okay, coming up next, it's time for Chris's update. And then is the wrong team favorite in the NFL. I'm pretty sure last week I got every single one of these wrong. We're going to see if we could do a little bit better today and see if the right team should be favored. Okay. <laughs> sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com hey everyone it's michelle williams and i love being able to share my story with you on my podcast checking in with michelle williams where my guests and i get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys and i'd love for you to join me 
I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. Andrew Erickson will be with us in about 10, 15 minutes from now. So make sure you stay on the grid. Stay tuned to Fantasy Sports today. Uh, Also want to make sure that you know tomorrow here on the show, we'll have our picks. Uh, Howard Bender and I will go through the picks for Wager Alarm in the Super Contest, a two and three week last week. So trying to get ahead of the game this week and get back to three and two or four and one would be great. Five and oh. And last week on the show, Joe, uh, I we, we did our show on Halloween night. We did the final pick show, you know, the Saturday night on Halloween night. Uh-huh. And I wore a Willy Wonka costume. And right. we went four and one. And mm-hmm. I promised that the following week, if we did well, I'd wear it again. And I forgot. And so we got paid back for that. And went two and three. So <sighs> didn't you watch Bull Durham? You don't screw with a streak. You just don't do it. If you're on a streak, you, you know, the rose goes in the front, big guy. The rose goes in the front. Yeah. Not good. Okay, so let, let's talk about the the light favorites, I would say, in the NFL this week. There are mm-hmm. several of them, and I want to go through a couple of them here. Let's start off with the Bills and Cardinals. And right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Arizona is minus two. So to break this down for you here a little bit, uh, it, apparently it looks like they feel that Buffalo is only three points worse than Miami. Why do you say that? Well... Arizona was minus five last week at home against Miami, and they are only minus two this week against Buffalo. So uh, this is a a little bit of a – a lot of the lines are actually peculiar for me this week Mm, because I think that there's going to be a lot of drag over to take Buffalo in this game based off their performance last week. So I'm going to say that the right team is favored. Arizona's problem I don't think is talent. I think that they've made a lot of poor decisions on the field over the last few weeks timeouts, play calling. They got the best quarterback going right now in the NFL. Uh, Look, Buffalo does too, though. Josh Allen came back and had a great week uh, against Seattle. So I'm going to say the right team is favored here. I do feel like the line is a little bit fishy. I think most people feel like Buffalo should be at least a pick or favored, but they make the lines this way for a reason. So I would say they got this correct. I don't know, Craig. I, I think the wrong team is favored here. And and the reason is defense. And the St. Louis, oh, excuse me, the Arizona Cardinal defense, pardon me, is has certainly have been opportunistic of late, but they have also played some pretty lower end opponents in terms of offense. And I think you have to kind of take that into account a little bit. And that being said, Buffalo's defense has not been nearly as good as advertised. Last year, they were a terrific unit. This year, they have struggled without a doubt. And it was good to see a confidence builder game there with Josh Allen. And I think when you've seen them struggle this year, you see them struggle against teams like the Chiefs. And I can understand that everybody struggles against the Chiefs. But I think that last week's win is important for Buffalo. I think Buffalo can kind of take that, use that a little bit here. I think also the establishing of a run game the last couple of weeks for Buffalo has also been the game changer. Healthy Zach Moss is very different. It gives a new wrinkle in this offense, takes a little bit of pressure off Josh Allen. I think that's a good thing. So I think Zach Moss plus the big W, 
going on the road here. Look, I, I think Kyler Murray's playing out of his mind. Everybody knows I love this dark horse candidate for MVP, but I think it's an uphill battle. I think the Bills win this football game. So I actually think the wrong team is favored here. Okay. All right, let's take a look at the next game in the NFC West. Seattle finally uh, fell back a little bit last week to Buffalo, and the Rams are coming off a bye week here, and the Rams are minus two. And so for me in this one, uh, the way that I look at it is that a couple of things are are going for the Rams. First of all, they are uh, coming off a bye week, which has Mm -hmm. been kind to most teams in the NFL. Last week, that did not work out. Some of the bye week teams did not win, but they have had two weeks to prepare for Seattle. Seattle is not at home. They usually play well at home. They have not played well on the road, and I don't think it mattered where it is. So I do think that the Seahawks can win this game, but clearly, again, another line that looks strange. Why is the why are the Rams favored if they're not going to win? So I uh, don't have a strong opinion on the game, but I do think the line is correct. I would even make it three. I think the Rams can hmm. win the game for sure. Yeah, I, I struggle with the inconsistency of the Rams. Here on this show, if you watched us this last couple months, the Rams are the biggest Jekyll and Hyde team ever. And yes, everything analytically you. should tell you. For you they are. For you they are. So, so whoever you're are. going with here, I have to go the other way. I'm sorry. The Rams I, are Okay, your well, that's fine. I, but I'm trying to learn my lessons because I think whenever the Rams look good, I go, okay, yes, the Rams look good. Every All the data tells you the Rams look good, right? And then every time, that's wrong. And every time you look at it and go, oh, I don't love this situation for the Rams, they go out there and they smash. They smash. Look, the difference in the game is Russell Wilson who right now is still the leader for MVP. And they're coming off two bad road losses. Now you tell me they got to have a third one in their division. I don't know, man. That is a tough sell for me. I think the Seahawks need this game in the worst way. I think they're going to play like they need this game. I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. And I think the Seahawks should be favored in this game because the Rams just continue to show that you don't know who they are week to week. And you can give them all the extra time in the world. They'll still come out. And I'm more worried about them coming out flat. Look, they got punched in the mouth last week or two weeks ago, I should say, by Miami. Okay, and Aaron Donald's a great player. Jared Goff has his moments. They've got weapons on offense, but it's just who are they consistently and quarter to quarter, game to game. I don't think you have a feel for who they are. And I think Seattle is a little bit desperate right now, needs this win. They understand where they are. Give me the Seattle Seahawks. You can come make fun of me on Monday if I'm wrong, and I'll make fun of myself if I'm wrong. But I cannot and will not invest in the Rams. I am out. They are D. You were back in. You've been out. See, it's it's funny to hear you say. It's, yeah. it's funny to hear you say what uh, your feeling is. The country's feeling. You're like, I don't think that we know who the Rams are. You're you don't know who the Rams are. You've been wrong on them every single game. I don't. Do you know it's who okay. the Rams are. I, I, I don't personally, but we're doing the show together. But I think a lot of people do know who the Rams are. Their record is pretty good. They're a pretty good football team. It's just they're your kryptonite. Every time you pick them, <laughs> they lose. When you go against them, they win. I mean, right. it, it there happens. you go. So, Craig Wright, make sure you have everybody but, go but out don't there, put the mortgage. Everybody doesn't know who they are. They're pretty good. <laughs> they're pretty put the good mor- team. Put the, mortgage, put the mortgage on the Rams then because yeah, Craig is pointing out truth. This is truth. I, it, I cannot get it, the it, Rams right. Now, is the better team, they're the better quarterback, they're the better team on paper. But again, Las Vegas does not build the hotels on people that are winning games. It's the losing. So uh, I, again, for me, I think the line is right. I don't really have a strong opinion on the game. I don't think we're going to be using this game in the uh, in the Super Contest tomorrow. Now, let's wrap it up with this one. This one I do. This one I do feel differently about. And the Monday Night Dogs have been coming in. I do think that Minnesota at Chicago, to me, is this one's a little bizarre because, uh, look, I, I went into last week thinking 
that the Lions would go back, watch the video, watch the film of how the Vikings win, and keep it simple, stack the box, stop Cook, and make Cousins beat you. And then if they lose, I can come back on the show and say, well, look, Dalvin Cook is just that good, man. Like, you know, they tried everything that they could. So what did the Lions do? The Lions said, well, yeah, we are going to stack the box, but we're just going to play with 10 guys to see if that works instead of 11. I think the Bears are going to play 11 on defense. I think they're going to play all their guys. I give them a better shot to win. I think the wrong team is favored. I don't think the Bears should be favored. On, I, I think it should be a pick em. I Minnesota, to me, and I know that you like them. I, I know you like them, and you think that they're going to go on this epic run. Uh, but for me, and they could win the game, but I don't think that they should be favored in this one. I think it should be pick em. And historically speaking, the best bet in the world is Monday Night Football taking a home dog. The last two weeks, the ugliest home Monday Night Dogs of the season ended up covering. So mm-hmm. my luck on Monday Night has not been great anyway. I'm not sure. This is this is probably like pick four or five for me out of five. It's not like the strongest one. But I do think the Bears have a shot to win this game on, uh, on Monday. I have one word for you. Skull! That's right. The Minnesota narrative continues to build, and I'm driving that bus, Greg Mish. I'm driving it all the way to Tampa. Well, probably not all the way to the Super Bowl, but I don't care. I'm going to drive it into the playoffs, and I'm going to drive it here. And me and my friend Kirk Cousin and Dalvin Cook, we're all going to hang out. Look, the Bears don't have David Montgomery. They have no running game. They couldn't run the, game, the ball when they had him. The offensive line has played terrible. Foles have been terrible. The defense is good, but they get too much pressure put on them, and eventually they're going to crack here. So... The right team is favored. The Vikings should be favored. The Vikings are going to win this game as well. I'm telling you, they beat Green Bay, Detroit, the Bears. Now this is the easy part of their schedule. I told you they got the Cowboys coming up. They got Jacksonville coming up. They got Carolina coming up. They got all these beatable teams on the schedule. They've handled their business in the division. One more in-division win here. Telling you, man, get on this train. There's still room for you on the bus. If you want to get on next week, after next week, we could do that. Okay, I, I I think it's going to be a very close game. I think it could be a point, and I'm going to take the home dog probably in that spot. Right. But we'll, we'll see what happens. It's not a it's, it's not a fun. game that I feel extremely <clears throat> excuse me ex- extremely strong about. All right, now Sunday uh, we have the biggest line of the weekend. It's Green Bay. This, is, this line is actually higher than than what you see here. I think it's thirteen and a half or or or, or even higher. But uh, the Packers are are minus thirteen over Jacksonville. Uh, in terms of covering, I never am in on the big lines ever. The, the big favorites were covering like crazy until last week, and then they all fell apart. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think video. I think someone is gonna. I think if the Packers do their job, unlike the Lions, I think that they're gonna find the video of this kid on Jacksonville, and I think he's gonna have a hard time in Green Bay. But I don't ever lay this kind of number in the NFL. I just don't yeah, do it. it. It's a big number, and some of these big numbers have been a little spotty lately. I think is a, is a good way to put it. Um, weather's supposed to be a little bit of an issue, too, in this game. There might be some wind issues in this game. On the road, your second start against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I don't know. This is kind of a tough sell for me here. I agree with you. I think that Luton's going to have all he can handle. And, look, I hope he keeps it competitive because that would be fun. But from a wagering standpoint, this one's a little tricky. If I had to pick, I think I would pick Green Bay to smash over the prospect of the Jacksonville Jaguars even being good in garbage time enough to cover here. That's that's just the way I would go. I could see them just getting out to an early lead and just kind of cruising through this rest of this game here in Jacksonville up in Green Bay does not make me feel comfortable. 
Yeah, well, tomorrow on the show, we'll go through some more picks and make some uh, leans and, and some final decisions coming up for Saturday. But definitely need to have a better week this week for sure. Big letdown for New England on Monday night. I got to tell you, that was that was tough. Getting getting the minus seven and when they're minus ten, getting all that value and not even coming close. The game was the Patriots had no chance to cover that game from start to finish. So, okay, coming up next, Andrew Erickson will join us. Speaking of Jake Luton, how about these two quarterbacks that are playing, Gilbert Luton? What to do about the Broncos wide receivers? We'll tell you next. Go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, yo, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P. Joe P. Zapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And it's Thursday, and that means that the great mind of Andrew Erickson from Pro Football Focus joins us for a little past, a little present, and a little future. And presently, it looks like somebody got a haircut. Look at you. No hat today. You're looking all ready to go. You got your uh, you got your island shirt on. You're going to have a couple cocktails on the beach. Before you go on vacation, Andrew, can you help us with some fantasy football stuff, please? Yeah, of course I can. I got the new hairdo. You know, every day is Hawaiian shirt day when you never leave your home. So <laughs> I absolutely love it. Let's get it going. I can't argue with that. That is just sound, sound logic, my friend. Again, Andrew, you can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore. Let's get to the score with Andrew right now. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. I want to talk to you a little bit about Gilbert and uh, what's eating Gilbert grape this week with the Cowboys. So obviously this past week it was better. Now, I don't want to set the standard too high. But it was better, and we keep trying to figure out where the Cowboys' weapons are now. We're constantly taking the temperature. After this game with the Steelers, it certainly looked like maybe it was safe to go out and start CeeDee Lamb again. I actually had him active in a couple leagues last week, and it looked like it was actually okay. And I was thinking to myself, all right, maybe we're buying back in here. And you mentioned something very astutely a few weeks ago about the cream of the crop in terms of talent will rise. And it feels like it is, at least with Gilbert, under center. So do you think this is a one-off, or do you think this is kind of, it's safe to go outside again if you're a Cowboys fan and start them in fantasy? I think it more or less goes to the fact that you're going to see at least one receiver probably put up production. You know, the week before, it was Gallup who saw a lot of action. This week, it was CeeDee Lamb. Again, the Steelers were missing their number one slot cornerback. So that's a matchup that the Cowboys must have looked at and be like, all right, we're going to feed Lambs in the slot. This is the matchup we want, um, as opposed to like a targeting the outside with a new quarterback, things like that. So for me, I think it really presents, I think, I mean, Lamb is just really talented. So again, I understand why you want to continue to use him, but the Cooper of a world, like he was someone I'd be looking at to try to sell. Just, I think that this is an opportunity to, you know, they had a semblance of life against the best defense in the league. They get Houston when they come back, it's a good matchup. But I really think this is probably a better time to just kind of get out now while you can. You can use that Houston matchup as a kind of a bait. Be like, hey, like they're playing the Texans. And yeah, <laughs> okay. like that could happen. But also, Elliot has looked terrible against everyone he's ran against. You know, Tony Pollard is playing him. Would it shock me at all to see a stat line where Tony Pollard, you know, rushes for more yards than Zeke does against the Texans? No, that, that would not surprise exactly. me at all. Um, so that's just why I'm, I'm I think that this is really just time like, to try to move those guys, you know, that, that now there's kind of some hope 
Um, but I really think that, you know, we're all we're so attached to what we saw with Dak Prescott and when the offense was hot, flying on all cylinders. And we love that. And it's just it's just not that anymore. All right. Well, even when they was all on all cylinders, as you said, with Dak, Zeke wasn't quite the Zeke of old either. Are we in a place here where he's starting to get closer to that Todd Gurley touchdown dependent running back and getting further away from the Ezekiel Elliott safest of the top five overall picks? Because I feel like maybe the truth is somewhere in between. But I don't know, Andrew. We've we've had this discussion all week. I've asked this question of, of a few people, and now I want to ask it of you and get your take. Do we think we're moving into a new range of Zeke where the last four years are, okay, this is the lifespan of running back in the NFL nowadays, and now we have to kind of readjust our thinking? Or is just the one-off season a bad year maybe, and next year is a value in drafts bounce back? I mean, you know, you, you look at it, the offensive line's not as good. And that's obviously going to affect the, the, I mean, he's always ran behind the elite offensive line and he was still a good running back at that time, but that's what made him elite. That's what made him the top pick. Again, Mm -hmm. you know, when you think about Zeke highlights, you don't see him, you know, juking guys out of their socks, you know, like a Saquon Barkley, you know, being a masterful pass catcher, like Christian McCaffrey, like he's done those things in the past, but that's not his like claim to fame. It's been in between the tackles, like runner, like just give me 30 carries. I'll get 150 yards and two touchdowns. Like that's what he's been always, that's kind of been his thing. But across the board, you know, you look at PFF rushing, rushing grades. This is his worst year by far. It's not even close to what he's in the past years. And PFF rushing grades try to take out that offensive line element. So again, he's just not the same guy and it makes sense. You know, he's been in the league for a while now. So again, yeah, he's maybe not Todd Gurley. I don't want to say that because it looks like he still has, you know, capable knees, but not the same elite guy that we spent a top three pick on. There you go. Somewhere in the middle. I like that. I think that's that's probably right. I'll tell you what. I'll, if I'm in the first round, he's there and DK Metcalf's on the board. I'm going to take DK Metcalf. <laughs> I've already said it. I don't care. I don't want to hear everybody tell me different. Let's talk about uh, Jake Luton and his debut. It was decent. I mean, DJ Shark certainly looked good. Of course, it, it looked good on my bench, which I'm a little frustrated about, but I'll try to suppress all that rage for at least a moment if I can. So talk to me about what you saw to Luton and whether or not you think this week is going to be a disaster as he travels to Green Bay. Rookie on the road, Green Bay. I don't know. I, I just don't know if I want to take anything that I saw last week and feel really good about it. I think it's just a one-off, but maybe you saw something I didn't. Is he just another Gardner Minshew, or is there something better here that this offense can kind of grow around here in the second part of the season? I think it's really has to do with just how bad the Houston Texan defense is. They are just, and that's the thing, you know, this reminds me of a scenario where it was Nick Mullen's first game, right? And everyone was, you know, picking up the Raiders defense to play against the Raiders defense was so bad that year. And it didn't matter because, oh, rookie quarterback, like pick him up. But if you can't rush the passer, it doesn't matter right. who's back there. I if I have all the time to throw, I can just wait for someone to get open and throw it to them. Like these guys, the six round rookie quarterback, again, he can still like throw the ball. He can hit an open receiver. It's not like he is incapable of doing those things. And the Texans just can't play defense. They they can't offer any of that type of, you know, wall against the quarterback. So yes, I think it's gonna be much tougher against Green Bay. I don't expect him to do what he did last week. I think that Chark is gonna really fall back down to earth. I think Chark is a prime sell high right now. Again, this is probably his best game of the year. The best matchup, the best spot as possible. Again, you know, he's not going to catch a 73 yard touchdown on the second play of every single game. That's not, he's not, not, (laughs) it's not going to happen. And and this week he gets Jair Alexander, PFF's highest graded cornerback. Again, it's not yes. Or last week was that was the game. And, And now this is your ticket to get out because everyone's gonna be like, oh, well, Jake Luton unlocked DJ Chark. It's like, no, it just it was one game against the worst defense in the league. So, yeah, let's move on from Chark. 
All right. Okay. So there you go. So basically the best game of the season uh, for him was on my bench. Like, thanks. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> okay. Let's move on here. And let's talk a little bit about that Denver offense. that seems to be uh, at least good at the end of games, which is kind of frustrating, isn't it? It seems like they, they like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, the, the fourth quarter's on. Let's start scoring points. Now, KJ Hamler has been looking like he's starting to integrate himself. Well, out of that slot position, Jerry Judy's played very well. Are we starting to open up the Denver offense here as the second half of the season goes on? Or is this more of that frustrating thing where it takes them a half to get going? How, how do you see the fantasy assets here working out, including the running backs? Because I get a lot of questions about Gordon and Lindsay. Give me your take on that Denver offense from last week and what you think going forward we're going to have. Yeah, so Drew Locke has scored 82% of his fantasy points in the fourth quarter the last two wow, weeks. Wow, that is a great stat. That, <laughs> so, is, that is why we have you on the show. That is a brilliant stat. Give it so, to me, baby. Let's go. So... I mean, it's got the stench of a Blake Bortles-esque type of thing going here. You don't want that stench. Just for clarity out there, for everybody watching, you don't want the Bortles stench. It's a bad you, stench to have on you. you. You don't want it. And again, it can work to a point, but it's not something that you always want to rely on because eventually defenses will just stop letting up plays and they'll be like, no, what? this guy can't make any throws. We're just going to play the whole game tight. And that's going to run into problems for Drew Locke because basically what he's doing, he's just throwing it downfield every single time. He's not looking to check the ball down and he's being pretty wrecked. I mean, there was one pass he threw last week. I, I had no idea what he was doing. He just kind of like went back and just like chucked it, picked off. It's like, oh man, like whatever. Kind of like a Jameis Winston-esque to him. But I mean, it's good for at least the receivers. I think that Locke is a little bit more on the fringe of, hey, you can you know, trust him, start him. Again, he's playing the Raiders. It's a good matchup. But again, the bottom can fall out very, very quickly with Drew Locke. But again, I think that Jerry Judy is kind of in the circle of trust right now. I mean, he's gotten the target during the beginning of the year. He finally put it into production last week. His schedule is really good for the rest of the year. So I really like Judy. And don't see about Tim Patrick as well. You know, he was balling up before he got hurt. He caught a touchdown. He saw nine targets last week. Um, and he's the other outside wide receiver. So I think that all these guys are kind of falling into wide receiver three territory. Hamler kind of manning the slot there as well. So they're all running downfield. They're all going to catch a lot of passes that are of – high value. So I like the receivers and I'm still kind of lukewarm on Andre Locke. By the way, the, the scent Bortles for men is not a good holiday present to get anybody. <laughs> Don't go buying that for your boyfriend or your dad or anybody. Don't go buying them the Bortles for men. It's a bad cologne. Nobody likes it. All right. Uh, CMC was back and now he's gone again. Michael Thomas is back. This should be a smash game, I think, for him, right? You're in, in the dome. You're you're back home. Last week they had a huge lead and have to use him too much. Is there going to be a scenario where either CMC or Michael Thomas win somebody league this year? Because it's starting to feel like maybe this is like you waited and you waited. You got the CMC comeback game and then he's gone again. And now Michael Thomas, like this should be a good game for him. But do you think we're not going to see the real Michael Thomas, as it were, as I do the air quotes there the rest of the season? Or is that just the first game back? Oh, well, I'll start with CMC. I think that, again, it was awesome to see what happened. But, you know, now this is it's almost kind of like the Panthers kind of pressed their luck a little bit. You know, they didn't, they, you know, the report that came out earlier was a lie. You know, they're going to rotate them. That didn't happen. Okay. But maybe they should have. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was maybe. a different injury. It wasn't the same injury. So you can't say he re-aggravated it. Again, it's a shoulder injury. It's completely different than his lower leg injury that he was dealing with. But again, you know, if he doesn't touch the ball 30 times in that game, he really touches 15, he's going to be playing this week. So, I can't, especially with how much they have committed to him. I'm definitely more concerned that when he does 
does come back again, that they are going to be true to their word and be like, no, like we have to actually get Mike Davis involved, especially if they start to fall on the standings a little bit. If they don't keep winning games, they have a tough matchup this week against the Bucks. You know, if they start to fall out of favor in terms of, you know, playoff hopes, you know, what's the point of getting CMC back? Um, so I'm definitely concerned about that. Michael Thomas, I think, is probably in a better shape. Again, he didn't blow up this week, but they didn't really need him to. It was a tough matchup anyway against right. the Buccaneers, who have pretty good, you know, pretty good defense anyway. I think that the big thing really because I didn't see it. <laughs> well, well, they usually I did. No, they well. do. They do. I'm just taking the easy joke. It's OK. <laughs> they usually put pretty good defense. But I would say that the thing that's good for Michael Thomas managers is you look at these other alpha receivers that have come back from injury. Julio Jones has come back and smashed. Devontae Adams has come back and smashed. So I think that bodes well for Michael Thomas. I think that we're going to see more of 2019 Michael Thomas this week. All right. Fair enough. Let's see what we think about the Eagles uh, offense, too, as they're starting to get healthy. We'll see if Miles Sanders can get back on track. But Rager's been back. You've also got Dallas Goddard back. So this week against the Giants, let's talk a little future. Do you think this is where the Eagles in week 10 now start to roll offensively and kind of take over this division, which is still, believe it or not, up for grabs? Yeah, I think they're like you mentioned, they're getting healthy. And that's always been their biggest, you know, problem. They can't keep guys healthy. I'm hearing Alshon Jeffrey might come back, and you know, that doesn't mean he's no, fantasy that's relevant. Impossible. We can that never doesn't mean he's Alshon fantasy Jeffrey. relevant, but he's when he's playing on the field, Wentz has been better. So that's just something to keep a note of. I mean, Wentz is a guy who has a really good playoff schedule down the stretch. And he's like he's technically a quarterback one on the year because he has a couple of these spike performances. He's been rushing a lot. You know, and he's kind of made it through the tough part of the, the schedule. They play the Steelers, they play the Ravens, like they they made it through all these games, and now their schedule lightens up towards the end of the year. So yeah, I think this Eagles offense is gonna start clicking. I think Dallas Goddard has top five tight end potential, Miles Sanders, you know, top five running back potential for the rest of the year. And I think that Jalen Rager is gonna return a lot of value back for people that held on to him or picked him up, you know, earlier. All right, there you have it. So uh, real quick, since we made fun of the Bucks defense, I know we only got a couple of seconds here. Do they bounce back this week against Carolina? Then and, and, oh. and show like they are the uh, the Bucks defense that we've seen for most of the weeks where they're not playing the Saints. <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. There's actually a lot of uh, there's a lot of splits between Teddy Bridgewater in terms of his how well he performs against zone coverage and versus man coverage, mm-hmm. and it's a big split in terms of zone. He's much worse against zone coverage, which the Buccaneers run a lot more of yeah. than man coverage, and that's what the Chiefs done. So that's I looked at it, I was like, oh, Bridgewater, he did really good against the Chiefs. Like maybe he can pull off something against the Bucks, but Chiefs run more man. That works better for his he his more his receivers can win more one on one matchups. But against zone coverage, uh, Teddy Bridgewater is in for a long day. All right. Well, we're in for a, a good day because uh, we have Andrew for another segment here real quick. We're going to test that brain of his. Put him to work for real with a little fantasy trivia. So stick around. Andrew Erickson of Pro Football Focus is going to answer a question and hopefully he'll get it right. Will he? I don't know. Tune in and find out. We'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today. Andrew Erickson has stuck around with us because he's a gracious, good sport, and I like that about him. So let's... Let's play a little Jeopardy in honor of Alex Trebek 
And uh, let's see if uh, Mr. Erickson can uh, get the fantasy trivia of this day correct. And it's a, it's a short question in terms of uh, it's only over the last two weeks. We're going to ask you, who has more targets of wide receivers the last two weeks? Is it Devontae Adams or is it Jerry Judy? I'll let you think about it for a second. Kind of get your mind right. Both these guys have had some really good weeks these last few weeks. But... I will tell you, only one target separates these two guys, so they are very close. So tell me, you got a 50-50 shot here, Andrew. Who's had more targets the last two weeks, Adams or Judy? Who is Devontae Adams? You are incorrect. I'm sorry. The answer is Judy. The answer is who is Judy. But anyway... Uh, but but look, let's talk about Judy for a second here a little bit more. I know we touched on him in the last segment, but is this the beginning here of the second half Jerry Judy, especially since, you know, the beginning of the year, he didn't have Cortland Sutton on the other side. I think that kind of hurt him in terms of development a little bit at the beginning of the season. But now he seems like he's getting up to speed. Now he seems to look more like the Jerry Judy we saw in college. Is it him or is it another rookie wide receiver that you love going through the second half and having just a great fantasy season? No, I think I think it makes a lot of sense that it is Judy. Again, his claim to fame was route running, and we saw mm-hmm. it in that game. You know, he put the hand up, and the guy goes all the way over there, and then he stops on a dime, yeah. turns around, catches the ball, runs in for the end zone to a touchdown. And, you know, that's that's prime Judy. That's what we wanted to see out of him, and he has a really good schedule. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, the Broncos, beginning of the year, the schedule was tougher. You know, they yeah. played a lot of stronger pass defenses. That's not the case during the second half. Drew Locke was in and out of the lineup, so, again— Drew Locke's not great, but he's probably better than Jeff Driscoll, Rhett Rippin, and whoever else they had under center. So at least Locke is targeting him a lot, which is all that really, you know, kind of matters when it comes to fantasy football. So, yeah, I think Judy's one of their top rookie running rookie receivers that you want moving forward. And I think you couldn't feel good about him. You start him this week. Yeah, I think the Broncos are a fascinating situation for either a new coach or a new quarterback or both next year, maybe to come in and just get right right away. I mean, they've got a lot of talent with Fant, with Judy, with Hamler. I mean, we can have our discussion about the running backs, but there's at least some hope there, I think, for Broncos fans. And obviously, go follow uh, Andrew Erickson and uh, check out his work over at Pro Football Focus and follow him on Twitter at Andrew Erickson underscore so you can give some hope to your fantasy team, Andrew. Always a pleasure spending time with you, my friend. Great stats. And we made a new cologne, Bortles for Men. What well, was a very productive couple segments here. We're going to hit a break. We come back. Hour two of Fantasy Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. 